This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 352 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week from RedLegNation.com and RedsMinorLeagues.com, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm I'm fantastic, Chad. I feel like it's been a good week for the Cincinnati Reds. So I don't know. I'm I, I'm feeling the euphoria from from yesterday still. Yeah, really. It's not often that we have a good day uh, either during the regular season or the off season as a Reds fan. So fair, that, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's actually always. But we did get a good uh, day this week as the Cincinnati Reds, for the first time in the history of the award, have a winner of the Cy Young Award. Trevor Bauer, the runaway victor for the National League Cy Young Award, and uh, and well deserved and exciting to finally get one for the Reds, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you said you runaway winner. I I expected him to win. I didn't expect it to be as widespread as the voting was. Um, he got twenty seven of the thirty first place votes, and the other three votes that he didn't get for first, he got for second. Uh, I would have voted for him first, um, but. It just it felt like that people enough people were making the argument that you know he, he maybe he wasn't the the shoe in the runaway and well that, that turns out that it, it just wasn't true. <laughs> yeah, um, I, there's a good argument <laughs> for why it should be close, and that's why I was like you. I thought this is going to be it's going to be tight. I mean, you know, uh, there's some argument that, that Bauer got a little bit of a boost in his numbers because of the caliber of competition he pitched against. I mean, there's some of that, but you just can't deny that he was unbelievable this year for the Reds. Uh, 106 innings. I see, I actually didn't have 106 innings. What, how many did he have? I had that pulled up here, and now I've lost it. 73. I 73. Man, if he had 106, that would have been even better. Yeah. He, he might have got all the first place votes in him. <laughs> yeah. 1.73 ERA. Only five wins, though. The fewest ever for a Cy Young winner, I'm guessing. I'd imagine. Well, no. I mean, I'm, I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I know, I know Dennis Eckersley won one. As a reliever back in ninety one or ninety two, and maybe he didn't get enough wins. It's possible. It's right. possible. I guess. Yeah. All right. Don't uh, call me out of my own podcast, man. It's oh not, my bad. Not my bad. cool. Ed- edit it out. Edit not it out. Cool. I'll never hear it. <laughs> so yeah, you know uh, what can you say about Trevor Bauer other than an unbelievable season and led the league in ERA, um, ERA plus, uh, had a couple shutouts. Although there's asterisk shutouts there since they were the seven inning variety, but. Just unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. So, exciting news. What took the Reds so long to win a Cy Young Award? I'm going to blame Oral Hershiser for what he did down the stretch in 1988. So, there's that. Yeah. Um, Clayton Kershaw being insane forever, but most particularly in 2014 when Johnny Cueto was also incredible. But just it, was, it wasn't enough because Clayton Kershaw is an inner circle Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> what are you going to do? So I'm, 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 people can't see me, but I'm throwing my hands up in the air right now, just kind of shrugging because, yeah, what can you do? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that's been the thing with the Reds. They've had some some deserve, deserving candidates over the years, and that's actually one of our uh, viewer mail questions. So I'm going to go ahead and, and answer this one. 
Uh, let's, let's dive into it just a little bit. You, you already kind of dove into it. Rich Thompson asks viewer mail, and if you wish to ask a viewer mail question, you can do so by joining the family over at patreon.com slash Radio. Rich's question is this. Trevor Bowers, this year's Cy Young Award winner, but how would you rate his performance compared to Tom Seaver's and Danny Jackson's near-miss years with the Reds during the 80s? And this is something that I wrote about a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was looking at why have we been able to go for the entire history of the uh, Cy Young Award and the Reds have not had a winner. And uh, five times they've had second-place finishers. Now, I've had some people uh, want to kind of call me out and say, well, you know, the Cy Young's only started, what, 1956 or whenever it was. And, and even so, for the first decade plus, it was just there was one Cy Young Award for National League and American League. Like, they didn't have two. It was just one. Major League Baseball's Cy Young Award. Absolutely. And you could make arguments that pre-Cy Young Award, uh, guys like Bucky Walter, certainly, who won the uh, Most Valuable Player Award, but also Paul Derringer, uh Yule Blackwell, uh, Epirixi, those guys, some of those guys would have had a chance of winning. But since then, here's the five times that a Reds pitcher's finished second. Now, you mentioned Oral Hershiser. So that was 1988. And um, Danny Jackson, remember he'd just come over in a, a trade for uh, trade to, from Kansas City. Do you remember who he was traded from? I mean, I know you were like, weren't even born, but... I, I was born, yeah, but no, I, I, I don't actually remember. I do know the answer. Right. I, I was not born. For, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, remember is probably Ugh. not the right uh, terminology there. But yes. but you know it was, was former t- number one pick. Kurt Stillwell. Kurt and, Stillwell. And Ted Power. Ted Power, who'd been a pretty reliable reliever uh, and starter for the Reds. So they went over. Danny Jackson comes back and goes 23-8 and eight in that for that 1988 Reds team. And a 2.73 ERA, 15 complete games, Doug. <laughs> that's that'll get it done uh, yeah <laughs> there weren't 15 complete games in major league baseball this year exactly <laughs> and so for those of you who don't remember that year jackson was unbelievable i mean it's it may be i mean if you count trevor bowers you know short season this year that was that was as dominant as i've seen but other than that danny jackson is up there with uh probably cueto and and maybe Riho, um who i'll talk about in a moment but he was just unbelievable. And, and I think he would have won the award, but Her- Oral Hershiser, like I said, went on the late season, 58 innings scoreless streak and kind of kind of took over. I mean, the guy was on Johnny Carson there at the end, so he stole it from from Danny Jackson. But uh, great season. Now, 1981 was Tom Seaver. And uh, since the introduction of the Cy Young Award, this is the only pitcher to uh, pitch for the Reds who is actually in the Hall of Fame, That which doesn't really surprise me. Unless, wait a minute. No, Lee Silverto is not eligible yet, is he? Not yet. Okay. So Seaver, of course, won three Cy Youngs, but did not win it with the Reds. 1981, strike short in season, 14-2 and two with a 2.54 ERA. Now, Doug, trivia time. Who did uh, Tom Seaver lose the Cy Young Award to that year? After going 14-2 and two with a 2.54 uh, ERA. Was that Fernando Mania year? Fernando Mania! Yes! He lost it to Fernando Valenzuela. Uh, they tied in first place votes, but... Valenzuela, the Fernando Mania just uh, overcame him. Now, can you name the other three Reds pitchers who finished second in the Cy Young balloting? Uh, yes. Well, you already named Johnny Cueto. Yeah, so I, we, we, can, we can go in order. Uh, Tom Seaver was Tom? in 81, and then Mario Soto two years later. Who did he finish second to? That one I do not know, Chad. John so, Denny. John Denny. Philadelphia's John Denny. Yeah. 
Uh, and we have Danny Jackson a couple of years later in '88. That's right. This this is one I didn't I, I didn't know this until a couple of weeks ago. I forgot about. It. I was alive. I was a big Reds fan when I was 11 years old. Pete Shurek. My favorite Reds team. Yeah, my favorite Reds team. 95. I that one just it it just totally fell out of my mind. I don't know. And well, then of course Johnny Cueto in 2014. Right, right. Pete Shurek. Who do you lose to in '95? Uh, I'm going to go with Greg Maddox. <laughs> good, good, good guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I don't know if you're guessing or not, but uh, I was not. That's no, a that great was, guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Greg Maddox that year. <laughs> 19 was, and 2 yeah. with a 1.6. One, yeah. one of the best years ever. Yeah, 1.63 ERA. Right. Just, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, nobody else was going to win that. Yeah. Shurik was 18 and 7, 3.22. He did not deserve to win it. But, you know, uh, Shurik was that, uh, he was one of the classic Jim Bowden scrap heap acquisitions for the Reds. And, uh, you know, the, the Reds pitching coach at the time was Donnie Gullett. And he had a reputation of turning guys around. And that was their only strategy to acquire pitchers was see if they can find some of those scrap heap. And Shurik worked out. At least, uh, at least that year. So never came close to replicating that season. But all right, now I got another trivia question for you that you're not going to know. Okay. Which Reds pitcher in history, though, had the most wins above replacement in a single season, and obviously didn't win the Cy Young. So uh, that goes without saying. But it's not one of the ones we just one of the five we just mentioned. In the I, well, let me say in the Cy Young era. Okay, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, for me. only I, in the Cy Young era. I'm, I'm, this is a guess, but I'm going to go with Jose Rijo because he was very dominant, and he still pitched in an era when guys threw you know 250 innings. So yeah. I'm going Jose Rijo. Jose Rijo, 1993, 9.2 wins above replacement according to baseball reference, and finished uh, in a distant fifth place in the Cy Young race. Things were a little bit different then. Yeah. it was a, Again, it was, in 95, I still wouldn't have voted for him because, you know. Like we just said, Greg Maddox, but oh no, you said ninety three, ninety three, but, okay. But Maddox did win, and Maddox deserved to win. But the rest of it was a sham because the other three that were ahead of of, of Rio in the voting were Bill Swift, Tom Glavin, and John Burkett, and none of those three had as good a season as Rio, but all three won twenty or more games, and so that's all that mattered back then. So yeah. Uh, Jose Rio, uh, 9.2 wins by replacement. Jim Maloney, 8.2 wins by replacement in 1965. Those are the those are the top two by baseball reference. So there's your Reds pitching in a nutshell. Um, and Bauer, you know, ha- let me ask you this question, Doug, about Bauer. We all know we've been debating Trevor Bauer. Is he coming back? Where's he? What's he doing? And he keeps making comments that make you think like he did. Li- you know, I don't know if he's coming back or not, but I think he genuinely did like being here during the time he was here. I think I believe him on that point, but. Um, how do we remember this season if Bauer does not come back this year? You know, we get a, a, a half a season, or you know, forty percent of a season, and he was great, and he won this award. How, how do we remember that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's tough because I mean, you you're going to remember because of course he won the Cy Young, but there's a lot of weirdness that goes with it too because again, sixty games and. The Reds didn't really do much after the regular season, unfortunately. And I, I think that, you know, despite the fact that Trevor Bauer was great in his playoff start, it kind of went for nothing. Um, you know, the Reds the Reds' plan when they traded for Trevor Bauer two summers ago, uh, obviously it, it was not a trade made for uh, 2019. They were kind of, I mean, I guess if they went on some court, some sort of crazy run, they were still in it. But I feel like that trade was made for 2020. Um and it it worked out in the sense that Trevor Bauer was 
everything they probably hoped and dreamed he would be in more. But it came in a 60-game season, and unfortunately it didn't do what they wanted it to do in the playoffs, and it has nothing to do with what Trevor Bauer did. <laughs> That's it, a fact. <laughs> it, was, it was, unfortunately, uh, all the guys on the other side. Yeah. Um, but I think from the, the Reds' standpoint, they're probably disappointed in how it played out. From a fan standpoint, I, I think that, you know, and that's my computer that should be muted, so I'm sorry about that. Um, the, the, the fans are going to remember it as, as a great season, a fun season, but, you know, I, I, there's just so much weirdness going on. And the fact that you only got it for, you know, a handful of starts, and he's I'm, if he doesn't come back, it, it, it's really going to – I don't know how I want to say it. The fans are going to feel it. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun trivia down the road. But I, I think that we can – I'll just say this much. Like, I really enjoyed Jose Guillen's time in Cincinnati. Um, he was around for about a year, half a season, one year, half a season, the next year. That second half of a season was outstanding. It was fun. It was great. But they turned that into Aaron Harang. That's right. If the Reds – they're not going to turn Trevor Bauer into something immediately. They, they're probably going to get a draft pick. Uh, I there's I, there is a way that they will not get a draft pick for Trevor Bauer, but that would mean he doesn't sign until next June or July after the draft or whatever. Uh, he's going to sign before then. But even if they draft somebody who gets to the major leagues quickly, that's still two three years down the road. It's not going to be the same kind of thing. So what if what if they uh, get a draft pick and they use it to select uh, Aaron Harang's son, Kenny Harang? I mean, if Kenny Harang turns into basically what his father was, that'd be great. It'd be great. Be uh, Aaron Harang may have a son. I don't know if his name's Kenny. <laughs> He's not in a, I don't know. It just it seems like he would have a son named Kenny Harang. Let's go with it. It seems like it'll work. <laughs> uh, the, the flip side is, if, if you know, imagine this scenario where Bauer decides, you know what? I like Cincinnati. I love being with this pitching group, Cal Bodie and everybody. Let's sign a three-year deal. If he does that, if he's just reasonable for the next three years, he's probably a Reds Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's that type of thing where he becomes like a, one of the all-time, or not all-time greats, but one that's remembered uh, for lovingly for a while, unless he does something stupid. And Trevor Bear is always uh, on the cusp of, of doing something stupid. But um, I could see him turning this into a thing. Not that he cares about this, because he clearly doesn't care about this. But he, he could turn it into a thing where he really creates a real legacy with his team and you know, can end up being one of the guys that gets trotted out every few years when the Reds uh, have a new bobblehead or something, You because know, that's all, all we have here in Cincinnati. But anyway, Trevor Bauer, great season. Um, now, speaking of awards, I do need to mention this, and uh, we didn't talk ahead of time about that we were going to discuss this, but I do need to mention it. Um, the 2020 National League Manager of the Year Award that was announced this week, and coming in ninth place with a bullet, Reds manager David Bell, Don Mattingly of the Marlins, won the award. David Bell of the Reds got snuck in with two third-place votes. To finish uh, ninth place in manager of the year voting. That's in the bottom half of the league. <laughs> yeah, well, the fact that they got any votes, two words for you. It's very timely. Electoral fraud. No comment. Um, so I had to go and look it up to see who in the world voted. Even third place vote. Listen, David Bell is not the worst manager in the league. But he, I can't see anything he did this year other than maybe a 10-game stretch if you want to give him credit for that. Of course, you got to give him blame for the rest of the season if you do that. But um, that deserves a, even a third-place vote. I'll, 
I will say that uh, um, the voters, one came from outside Cincinnati, Byron Kerr of MassonSports.com. Didn't even didn't vote for Matt Don Mattingly in any of the three spots. Voted for Craig Council first. Um, it was the only first place vote Craig Council got. The Brewers manager Craig Council. Uh, you wonder if this guy even watches baseball. <laughs> uh, did give a second place vote to uh, Tingler for the Padres, but and then Bell third. So this guy, you know, the other one it was a, one of the Cincinnati chapter votes. Mark Schmetzer of Reds Report. What's Red's report? I honestly do not have that answer for you. I saw the vote and I saw the publication and thought to myself, huh, what is this? So I Googled Red's report. And the only thing that I could come up with was a Red's report thing on Red's.com where you could cash in your subscription to Red's report for complimentary Red's tickets from a few years ago. They don't have a website that I know of. I couldn't find any way to order the magazine, if that's what it is. I I have no idea. I remember years ago there being a newspaper-like, you know, it's kind of like a sporting news uh, style, Red's Report. And, um, you know, does, does, and Schmetzer wrote, I think, a pretty good book. I believe about the 61 Reds. Is he the one? I think he's the one, he the one that wrote that book. That was a pretty good book. Um, I don't know him, but... Red's report has to be defunct by now. I know uh, there's no way that's still a thing. And yet he's got a vote. The other Cincinnati uh, chapter vote came from Matt Snyder, CBS Sports. Um, and Snyder's a good guy. I mean, you know, and his votes were reasonable. Um, and he's actually pretty thoughtful. He's a good writer. I like I like his stuff generally. But uh, we're not going to get into the, the vagaries of the Baseball Writers Association of America, but are you sure? Because I have a really big complaint that we need to talk about after this. <laughs> okay. Well, here's all I'm saying is you and I have written more words about the Cincinnati Reds over the last 15 years than probably anyone on earth, except for maybe, you know, uh, Trent Rosecrans, maybe, or uh, maybe. Mar- Mark Sheldon. Maybe. I don't, I don't even think that's true. Um, <laughs> and this guy from some defunct who no, does not write about the Reds anymore. Um, that's kind of outrageous to me that, uh, that he, and it's just dumb awards. Who cares? But that's, go ahead, uh, say your piece on the Baseball Writers Association, then we'll move on. So the MVP was announced this evening and Rick Hummel of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch gave a 10th place vote in the National League MVP to Ryan Tapera of the Chicago Cubs. Do you know who that is? Because I literally didn't know he existed until I saw his name on the MVP ballot. No, never heard of him. Is it a real person, or was it somebody he, like he, he made up on? He, he's he's a 32-year-old reliever who went 0-1 with a 3.92 ERA and zero saves this year. Somehow, Rick Hummel thought that that guy was worth, or the, the 10th most valuable player in the National League this year. So either it's a joke, he's just tossing it in as a joke, in which he's not taking it seriously, or he's an idiot. Or both. And in either way, it's not good. But that's that's all I have to say about that. I'm just I can't believe it. Well, they need to update who's voting. Uh, and I've never tried to get into the baseball Writers association. I don't particularly want to, but I'm just saying. No uh, comment. It's uh, it's it's really crazy. Um, it's ridiculous. But anyway, Trevor Bauer won. 
Trevor Bauer won, and he actually got some some MVP votes himself. So good for good for Trevor Bauer on that front. Oh, good, good. Let's see uh, the voting yeah, for. He, he finished. Um, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. He finished tenth in the National League MVP voting. So good, good job, Trevor Bauer. Very good. The Cincinnati area uh, voters for um, Cy Young were Mark Sheldon of uh, MLB.com and Bobby Nightingale of the Cincinnati Enquirer. They both uh, they both had Bauer, Darvish, DeGrom for second, third, which is pretty reasonable, uh, pretty reasonable, reasonable results since that's actually how the voting turned out overall. So kudos to them. All right. Um, this is going to be a sort of a pitching-centric episode, I guess, because for the 100th consecutive offseason now, oh, wait a minute, it's probably only the 98th consecutive offseason. I may be off my count there. Michael Lorenzen, Reds reliever, Reds center fielder. He says he wants to be a starting pitcher next year. And we keep having this discussion and I keep saying, oh, okay, I'm okay with it. And this year, you know, when he, when he did start those uh, games late in the year, he actually was a big boost to the Reds chances of getting in the playoffs, the way he performed. And so I guess he says he's preparing to be a starter in 2021. Am I right, Doug? Uh, you are correct, Chad. And I, I think that you were actually correct also with the 98th consecutive year that he has said that. I thought so. Um, what I don't know that we need to really analyze it much. Um, you know, he could be a he could, should be in the race with uh, for the be the fifth starter, right? I mean, why not? If they yeah, I'm, assuming that the Reds don't go out and get more starting pitchers that are shoe ins into the rotation. I feel like they've got two open spots and realistically three guys that are going for those two spots between. Michael Lorenzen, Tyler Malley, and TJ Antone. And I, I think that, you know, Malley's got a, a leg up on anybody, but I think that, you know, it's fair to say that some, you know, how they all look in spring training probably should matter. Well, I think if Bauer didn't come back, uh, Malley's my number three guy if they don't sign anybody else. I love me some, love me some Tyler Malley. Uh, I, mean, I, I would have no issue with that. I'm just not sure that the Reds are going to approach it the same way. Yeah, maybe not. But then again, the Reds have been doing what I've been telling them over the years. They wouldn't have been so awful all this time. But so, you know, it's all right. Whatever. There you go. Um, yeah, he, uh, he and Lorenzen, in his quote, he kind of name checks uh, Derek Johnson, Reds pitching coach Derek Johnson, and then assistant pitching coach Caleb Cotham and said that, you know, learn a ton from these guys. And, um, and he also name checked Trevor Bauer as being another type of coach for me, uh, you know, which Bauer had that reputation in Cleveland. You know his the fellow his fellow pitchers really loved the feedback they got from him and um, so I'm excited to take that to the rotation and do what I can do I think I got a lot to prove it I'm excited to be able to do that he said every single year now <laughs> Caleb Cotham is interesting there because Caleb Cotham's trying to leave man what's the matter he doesn't like Cincinnati I mean I'm sure that he has no problem with Cincinnati <laughs> but you know if you're going to be the pitching coach of some other some other team which he got interviewed by the Phillies for their open job that was left by. Um, who would who would who did leave? Former Reds pitching coach and manager Brian. Oh, Price. that's right, that's right, Brian Price. He retired, right? He did. Why didn't he do that he about did. six years ago? <laughs> well, that's a different story for a different day. But yeah, Brian Price was he had a three year contract and this was just his first year. But I guess he decided that he he didn't have it in him, didn't want to do it, whatever it was. Um. He was done, uh, and so the Phillies went out and they they had a search. It um, they did not say how many people they interviewed. We know of three of them. Caleb Cotham was one of them. 
Um, he's only been a professional coach for two years. Um, but, I mean, he's he's been working with Derek Johnson, and, I mean, they've pretty much turned around a long history of struggling starting pitching in Cincinnati. Uh, and if you're going to go for somebody who's young and upcoming, I mean, Caleb Cotham's a guy I would want to talk to. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Cotham will be a pitching coach somewhere someday. It may not be the Phillies right now. Um, but he absolutely will be a pitching coach in the big leagues. Now, he's a Reds assistant uh, pitching coach, as we noted, and 33 years old. But, yeah, he's got that Derek Johnson glow on him because, you know, he, he played uh, at Vanderbilt under Derek Johnson as well. And um, Vanderbilt, who lost in the College World Series to the University of Virginia Cavaliers in 2015. And, yeah, they beat Virginia in 2014, but forget about that. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got that Derek Johnson glow, like I said, but he's also got that driveline baseball, the Kyle Bodie thing, you know. Um, yeah, he made it to the big leagues as a pitcher just because they kind of uh, worked with him. At least that's what he says. And so there's no question in my mind that at some point he's going to be. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they hired a 33-year-old. But then again, you know. It, I mean, if, if you are the guy, then maybe. I mean, Theo Epstein got named the general manager yeah. when he was 29 years old. The Commonwealth of Virginia made me a judge when I was 33. Well, Ridiculous. I mean, I mean didn't, didn't people vote on that, though? <laughs> well, like, the General Assembly did, not not the people, just the, uh, well, just the some, legislature. Some people did. Yeah, yeah. It was it was unanimous. Let me just say that. You, you can look it up. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I think Cotham's probably back, and that's good for the Reds because uh, you hear more about him than I've ever heard of uh, any assistant. And not that the Reds have had many assistant pitching coaches, but anybody other than the top line coaches, you know, you hear his name name checked more than just about anybody because, and maybe it's because he's you know a little closer in age to some of these guys, and he can kind of relate to them uh, on a different level because he just got finished playing and he made it to the big leagues as a pitcher. So good for him. I you know I hope he doesn't get it because I don't like him personally. <laughs> See, that's not true at all. I don't know him personally. But it's better for the Reds if he doesn't get it. It's better for him professionally if he does get it, probably. So good luck to him. Um, go, go get you that paycheck if somebody's going to give it to you, Caleb. Yeah, man. That's, that's all I'm saying. Just do do what's right for you and your family. That's right. And hopefully it's, it's best for the Reds for the short term. But in the long term, in no ways. Unless Derek Johnson decides to retire and the Reds make Cotham pitching coach. Um. I'm not sure he's got a future here because Johnson's here as long as he wants to be here. Um, so, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, you never know. I mean, he's going to be a hot commodity. I think he signed a three-year contract, right, when he came over from uh, Milwaukee. That sounds correct. And so, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Man, that's the biggest free agent uh, for next offseason. They need to lock him up. So, All right. You want to answer some viewer mail questions? I'm ready. Doug Gray, we're going to answer some viewer mail questions here. But first, got to I got to tell you something. Um, you know, uh, I've I mentioned uh, here that uh, I, I'd made a, a professional move recently to a different uh, position. And so I got a little bit of a commute to work in the mornings and uh, also similarly a commute back home in the evenings is the way that works. And um, so, you know, I listen to podcasts and I listen to, um, you know, audio books, things like that. But I also decided, you know, i got to do something productive. And so I, for years I've been uh, planning to learn another language. And so I said, I'm going to start learning. I'm going to start learning Italian. So I've been working on learning Italian. And um, this week, you know, as I'm learning it, there's a, there's a word uh, in Italian, the word for without. 
That's the word in English, without. And in Italian, it is senza. Senza, S-E-N-Z-A, senza. So I heard that word, senza, and I think, oh, senzel. And then I think, without. Oh, yeah, the reds are all constantly without. Nick senzel. So that's how I've remembered that in my head. Is that sad? I... Whatever works. <laughs> I guess. I'm, 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 again, Nixon people Zell. that can't see me, I'm sitting here shrugging. <laughs> Poor Nixon Zell. I hate it. He needs a. F- I want him to play 162 games this year. Me too, because one, that means we're playing 162 games. Two, it means that Nixon Zell was healthy, and I think that good things are going to happen. Yeah. Healthy and playing uh, well I, enough to be in the lineup for 162 games. Yes. Yes. So let's 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 hope you're right on that one. All right. So uh, tonight's. Viewer mail questions, again, coming from our friends at Redleg Nation, patreon.com slash redlegradio, excuse me. First question comes from our friend, Joe Farsing. He's quick on the trigger every week, this guy. He must have alerts set up. As soon as it goes up, like, hey, podcast questions, let's go, he's yeah, there. He's, uh, he's quick on the trigger finger. Um, kind of like, uh, you know, David Bell on the, uh, on the defensive replacement or pinch runner trigger finger. He's quick on the viewer mail trigger. Uh, his, his, his request here is to recast the 1985 classic, The Goonies, using the 2020 Cincinnati Reds and Melissa McCarthy. Unfortunately, Melissa McCarthy is not available for uh, this, uh, this recast of this movie, the reboot of The Goonies franchise, because she's currently under contract to play me in the Red Leg Nation radio story. So, um, yeah, I... I guess the question here really is, who's Chunk? That's the first question we have to ask. Who's Chunk in uh, from the 2020 Cincinnati Reds? I'm going to go with Mike Moustakis. Yeah, probably. Probably so. What, what about uh, uh, Jonathan Broxton? Does he still play for the Reds? He does not. Oh, oh okay. He does not. Um, that's who I would have said. Yeah, probably Moustakis is going to be Chunk. You think uh, Moustakis could do the truffle shuffle? I mean, probably he's athletic. Probably, enough. I want to. I I want to see a Eugenio Suarez do it because I I know he can he can dance. Yeah, that's true. I, I know this for a fact. That's true. We've seen that. Uh, what about Mikey? That was Sean Astin's character, Mikey. I don't know. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say Sinzel. That I'm glad because I was also thinking Sinzel. It made sense to me too. Uh, Corey Feldman. Played mouth. Mm. I feel like that's Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker, that makes sense. Yeah, Jesse Winker. I'll go with that. And uh, the last question is, who plays Sloth? Mm. That's got to be Gapper, right? <laughs> yes, Gapper plays Sloth. It would not upset me if someone burned Gapper's uniform or a costume. Just burned as long, it. As long as the person gets out of it first, I'm no, that's preferable. I'm totally but on board. Yeah, that's preferable, but either way, we got to get rid of that stupid gapper. Is that the worst? It's I mean, really bad. It's really bad. I mean, what's the purpose of that? Is that it's supposed to, I guess, maybe appeal to younger kids or something? But I mean, the, the, I, I've, com- I've complained about it on Twitter a lot, and I always get parents t- yelling back at me that their kids love, love gapper. So, I mean, I, the appeal is there to a very specific crowd, I guess, but it drives me insane. Um,. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't get it. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. But ugh. I do have a uh, 
Gapper Bobblehead. It's my least favorite bobblehead. Have you ever thought about uh, target practice? Ooh, yes, I have thought about that, but not involving Gapper. Well, maybe think about that. That's a good. That's a good. Good one. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm reserving that for my Trevor Bauer bobblehead if he doesn't uh, doesn't resign with the Reds. Charles Zollers asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio being green means to be mean that was a see last week Charles he's a he's one of these uh, one of these kids you know one of the younger generation you know the kids these days they love the rock and roll music no wait a minute maybe that was the 1950s um, so he he presented some some youthful slang to us last week in his female question and I guess we uh, didn't get the one being green uh, that means to be mean. Um, so, he, so he has some new Gen Z slang words. He wants us to guess what they are. And uh, you you probably know these, uh, Doug, but uh, we'll see. The first one is, you're thirsty. I know what that is. <laughs> I, I know what that is. I'm just not saying. Can we describe that on a family-friendly podcast? <sighs> um, I just, uh, we, know what that, <laughs> we know what that means. What about this one? She's a Visco girl. I, I don't know what that one is. I've seen it, but I have no idea what that is. Yeah, Visco's like this uh, social media. Um, it's like a, it's like a, it's not Instagram, but it's a picture type uh, app. Uh, it's it's different, and uh, I don't know. That's that's what that is. And so what a, uh, I don't know. I don't know what a, a Visco girl is, but I know what Visco is. So I'm guessing it just means it's a girl who is on Visco now. Um, I, I maybe I guess. All right. So Charles, here's the T. I know what the next one is. T, you know what that is? No. Can is there more context to it? Here's the T. How do you not know that? Here's Oh, okay, yes. Down I, I say here's yes. the T. He just said T, but here's the T okay. is, you know. Then yes. That's what I, I hear my daughter say all the time. Yes, although I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I didn't know what it was till about 5 months ago. Um my mother said it and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Your mother? Yes, and I was very confused. And then she had to explain it to me like I was 5. Um so you know it's uh you know you know here's the details or here's the you know um, Here, here's the scoop here's the scoop the gossip or whatever here's the tea that's what that one means and uh, the last one is uh oh this is this was this is not Gen Z I don't think Charles come on Stan and his uh, example is I stand Joey Votto I, I mean I don't that, you know what that I know what it, I know what it means I'm I'm not sure if it's Gen Z it can't be something else but. Well, I feel like that's been around for a while. It has to. I mean, when when did the uh, the Eminem song stand? When was that? When did that come out? That was forever ago. Um, and so that's you know, that's I think that's what that where that came from. Obviously, Stan was the fan who was obsessed with uh, with uh, Eminem, and the whole song was about that. I I presume that's where that came from, but that's still a thing. Um, that's another thing that I've heard my daughter say. I stand Joey Votto. No, she's. She she stands Joey Votto. She does not. She I wish oh. she did. That would make me happy. But you know she had to live her own life. Um, that's that's true. I'll tell you who she sta- who she stands. Let me I gotta look up the name here. Um, in terms of celebrities, this is who my daughter stands. Um, I'm concerned that I'm gonna not know who this person is and I'm gonna feel super old. I think you're gonna know. Okay. Just, just guessing. I mean, we've never had a conversation with this, but his name is Tom Felton. Do you know who that is? It's not ringing a bell. Oh, this is uh, this is going to give you an example of uh, the child I've brought up, I guess. Um, to to the Google machine. Tom Felton played a character in the Harry Potter series. 
Yeah. And now he's a, evidently a TikTok uh, TikTok god or something. So um, he played Draco Malfoy. Yeah, no, I've never seen those movies. I have no idea. I'm looking at his picture right now. Still, no. no uh, he clue. was in he was in the Slytherin house. Oh, that sure that helps. <laughs> uh, over over uh, a few weeks ago, um, my daughter had me take some kind of a quiz to see which house I was in, and uh, it turned out I was in Slytherin. I think that's How did that bad go for you. Well, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen the movies. I think I've seen them all with the kids, but uh, that's like the bad guys. I think. Spoiler alert. Mm. Slytherin. So I'm a I'm a bad guy. It kind of hurt my feelings. Well, you know, you're you're the dad, so mm. you got you got to be the bad guy sometimes, right? No, not me. No, I'm the I'm the no? good parent. Okay. He says, knowing that his wife doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> all right, uh, Joey Gaditza. Hi, guys. How are you? Well, my school is closed, and I'm in quarantine for two weeks again, which got me thinking. If you had to quarantine with a current Reds player, who would it be and why? So, if you had to quarantine with a current Reds player, who would it be and why? Now, there are, I think there are only three answers here. You may come up with somebody different. Uh, and so I'm going to ask you to uh, think about it for a second, and I want you to pick who you, which current Reds player you would quarantine with and see if it's on my list of three. That I, I think the answer has to be chosen from these three. So what do you think? Who's number one? I'm going to go with Amir Garrett. <clears throat> Not on my list, but yes, solid choice. Solid choice. I mean, you game with him, you know. Um, he's, a, he's a big uh, PlayStation guy. I tried to get a PS5 today. All day long, I've been trying to get a PS5. Didn't work for you? I mean, it'll get through, man. Yeah. Websites are dropping, overloading. I, my my brother took off work today because he had to sign for the package Ooh. for his PlayStation 5. I didn't pre-order, and uh, we're hoping to get one for for the boy um, who stands uh, Eugenio Suarez. But does, he also, does he know this and not listen to the podcast? Or? I, yeah, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, I may name this one, you know, Joe Rogan or something. He may listen to it, but... Um, <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, you picked one that wasn't on my list. Here's my list of three, and so we'll see if there's anybody else we can think of. Uh, Joey Votto, obviously, I think, right? He'd be fun to hang out with. I think so. Um, Eugenio Suarez. Absolutely. Because, I mean, that guy just, he's just got fun written all over him. Literally, he has tattoos of <laughs> the word fun. I've seen them. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, the other one that I said was uh, was Jesse Winker. Because, you know, yeah. it seems like a kind of a fun-loving guy. Um, but I think you probably got to put Garrett into that list. Um, and let me just look down through and see if there's anybody else we would put on that list. You know, um, Castillo, maybe, maybe. Luis Castillo, yeah. I don't know. You know, he's, yeah, I don't know that I see anybody else. Um, oh, no. Uh, uh, TJ Antoine loves to play video games. Oh. He, he streams his games all the time. Uh, so if you're into that, uh, that, that could be your guy. He's a, I mean, I've had limited interactions, but he seems like a good dude. Yeah, but and the, he he likes video games. But so. the gaming thing is kind of a that's a that's kind of a red herring here in this discussion because we don't have to be quarantined with him to play video games with him. You know, we, well that's true. So we could have uh, Garrett and Antone elsewhere joining yeah, our I party. Should, I, I want to go get embarrassed playing basketball with Amir Garrett. That's yeah. that's what I want to do. Yeah, Amir Garrett's garbage. He played for St. John. St. John sucks. Um. What about uh, you know we are we are we discounting the uh, the fun that it would would ensue by having uh, Brian Goodwin there or Kyle Farmer? Probably. I know Goodwin's got a good beard. I bet he would be fun. You got to be fun to have a good beard. I think is that a rule? 
I know it, it can't be because I know that Ted Kaczynski exists. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Did you just compare Brian Goodwin to the Unabomber? I did not. On Red Lake Nation Radio? I did not do that. No. Oh, I was saying goodness. that you you can have a, a, a beard and not be fun and good. <laughs> Jordan Salisbury asks, Okay, so we finally have a Cy Young winner, but with Marcus Stroman re-signing with New York, and if Big Bob doesn't fork over the cash to re-sign Trevor Bauer, what do you guys think about kicking the tires on a one-year deal with Corey Kluber? Keep up the great work, Chad and Doug. Um, what do you think about kicking the tires on a one-year deal with Corey Kluber? I mean, I it's not my money, so it's easy for me to say, hey, see if he'll sign for $2 million and you know a lot of incentives if you know he can stay healthy and put up numbers then you know make it you know escalate to say 15 million dollars if he hits all of his things um but i mean cory kluber's thrown you know a few more innings than you and i have in the last two seasons shed yeah that's the problem is uh he's not exactly young at this point when he's on the field he's really good you may have noticed that but uh yeah you know he's barely pitched and do you if you have if if dollars are precious you know if you have to really watch what you're spending you if you say you're willing to spend and go out on the market but you really got to watch it it's not a good risk or reward there because that that falls a lot into the the Pete Shurik not really but uh, the you know the let's take a chance category maybe you got to do that if you're the res i don't know but uh you're hoping that he's healthy and what do i always say Doug ah. A lot of things, Chad. Hope is not a strategy. Oh, and well, so, that's, yeah. But if you can get it for feel, cheap, yes. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably the thing is what what's it going to cost? You know, if if he's willing to sign, say, roughly league minimum, sure, sign me up all day long. Yeah, and, and I'm if, okay. If he, wants, if he wants $5 million in incentives, I'm going to take a hard pass. No, I, I, think, I think the incentives aren't my problem. I, I would load him down with the incentives. Because if you know he reaches those incentives, he has to be on the field, and when he's, when he's been on the field, he's been pretty good. So, you know, um, I would I would load him down with performance based incentives or uh, you know playing time based incentives if he would be willing to sign something like that. Because again, he's been good, but yeah, you just you don't want to guarantee a crazy amount of money to that guy. Is there anyone on the free agent uh, market as a pitcher? That I mean, Stroman was a guy that I'm. I've been in love with him for a while. Uh, literally, I stand Marcus Stroman. Um, yeah, man, that's a guy that I really wanted. Um, I don't see anybody else on the. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. I know you wrote about it a little bit uh, this week at Red Leg Nation, but Kevin Galsman, we had him. And didn't he take the? Oh, did the he take the qualifier? Surely he did. Surely he did. Why wouldn't he? But. No. Um, I can't believe he got the qualifying offer. It, it, I feel like that was a surprise to pretty much everybody. Yeah, he was probably sitting at home uh, just giggling like uh, Ron Swanson in uh, Parks and Rec uh, over the uh, when they offered him that, thinking, oh, right. I mean, the Reds just let him walk. Didn't even try to resign him as far as we can tell. Um, I mean, he was good last year. But if he made it to the free agent market, he's not a guy I want. Who else? There's nobody else really out there. Charlie Morton maybe I, out I, there? I, I, that's the guy I was going to bring up, and he's a a weird case in the sense that, you know, the only reason he, he was going to retire last year, if he couldn't sign with the team in Florida, 
Yeah, because, because he's old. That's where that's where his family is. He wants to be around his family. Um, I, I mean, I I guess it's possible that a team could talk him into not playing for Tampa Bay, um, but he's not going to be cheap. And you also have to kind of try and coerce him to move to Cincinnati and either bring his family with him, or you know, find a way to convince him to not want to be around his family, which he's talked about being very important to him for the last two seasons. Yeah, you know the the, the Tampa Bay Rays declined his fifteen million dollar option, and so um, and he may be, certainly be willing to take significantly less than that, less than that if he wants to stay in Florida and still play. Uh, but yeah, he's. He's 72 years old at this point, so it's time to retire. Um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure he's that old yet. Oh, really? Well, he wants to be in Florida, I just assumed. Um, yeah, you're going to convince him to come to uh, to Ohio? As somebody who lives in Ohio, I'm just going to point out that it was 60 degrees today oh, in man. November. So, yes, I'm going to convince him. Hey, listen, I love me some Ohio. Uh, I'm not anti-Ohio, but um, there's. it makes me think about the the, the one time in history. And this is a little bit different, but uh, maybe you can convince somebody to move from Tampa to Cincinnati easier. But uh, I thought about that one guy. The one time ever in the history of the world, one guy moved from Miami to Cleveland. I mean, why would you do that? That guy's name was LeBron James. That was the one time that anybody ever moved from Miami to Cleveland. Yeah, but he was kind of coming home. So that was different. Yeah. Was it? It was a little different. And then when he came home, he did nothing. Oh, except win a championship. Only about um, that. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it, Doug. Greatest basketball player in the history of the game. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but <sighs> maybe we can get maybe we can get LeBron James to sign with us at Cincinnati Reds and Ooh. bring the Reds a championship. Hey, that would be nice. I'm going to get more negative feedback over my declaration of LeBron as the greatest basketball player than of anything else I've said on this podcast. I guarantee you. On Twitter, I, people are going to be yelling at me. I just hope that you actually you get realistic arguments from people who aren't arguing for Michael Jordan. Um, I, want to, I want to hear the other arguments. For somebody other than Jordan? Other than MJ? LeBron. Yes. I, I want to hear somebody argue that it's not LeBron or Jordan. Yeah. And, 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 and have a, you know, and be realistic about it. I, think I, I want to hear those arguments. I think there's only one person that you could make an, or I don't believe it, but that you can make a reasonable argument for. And it that better is... better be the same guy that I'm thinking of. Uh, Lou Alcindor? That's not, but I now that you say that... I can get behind it a little bit. I know who you were thinking of. You were thinking of John Stockton. How did you know? <laughs> Great player, but I was, I was going to go with Wilt. Wilt, you can make an argument for Wilt. Yes. Um, yeah, we kind of got off topic there a little bit. Though. That's okay. So nobody um, else on the free agent market for pitchers really piques I, my interest much. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys that I feel would be good, like buy low candidates. Yeah. But again, when you're buying low, there's a reason for it. So. Well, uh, you know, exactly. Yeah. And if maybe that's good, maybe it's good, that, you know, if the Reds are not going to spend much money this year, maybe it's good. There's not a lot to go out and get because the internal options are, are, are okay. I guess I just think they got to go, they got to go all out to get Bauer back here. I just think not just from a baseball perspective, but from a PR perspective, it's really going to, you know, Mo Weger wrote about that at the athletic, uh, if the Reds let him walk and don't make a serious attempt to bring him back, that sends a really bad signal to the fan base. Really bad signal. It does, but I just maybe it's maybe it's just lifetime being a Cincinnati Reds fan. But it's tough to see how that how it happens. I agree. I mean, but if you'd have told me last off season that 
you know, they were going to go get Moustakis and Akiyama and Castellanos and Wade Miley. They'd be like, yeah, no. Have you paid attention to what the Reds do and how they operate? You're crazy. True. That's so. true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. They surprised us last offseason just when we thought they couldn't do something like that. So, I don't know. I, they may not be able to sign him. Trevor Bauer is uh, mercurial, and he will do whatever Trevor Bauer wants to do. And you know what? More power to him. But um, I want some actual reporting about how far the Reds went to try to convince him to come back. And if they get outspent by somebody else, that's that's going to bother me. Again, it's not my money. But money should not be the factor. If he decides he doesn't want to come back because he wants to go somewhere that has an extra good offense that's not going to screw him over in the playoffs, or if he just, you know, his best friend is somewhere else, or he wants to play in New York or something. I mean, if he has other reasons for it, don't let it be money, I guess is my is my thought. And uh, It's always about money with the Reds is what I fear. So, yep. uh, One more question. All right. On this, the pitching episode of Red Leg Nation Radio, Phil Thompson asks us, what kind of impact could Nick Lodolo potentially make for the 2021 Reds, if any? What kind of impact could Nick Lodolo potentially make for the 2021 Reds, 2021 Reds, if any? And I think that's a good question. It's something that we have not really mentioned. Um, but when you talk, start talking about depth in pitching, this is the Reds' first-round pick from uh, last year. And um, think about if he'd had a full season in the minor leagues this year. Where would he be? Now, he had a partial season at the Ketchup Factory out there at Prasco Park. But... Um, he would be in the mix for that number five starter this spring. And so there's no reason to think that he's at least that he's not going to have a chance. I think that, I don't know if it's going to be injury or if he's just going to win it himself, I think he can have an impact on the 2021 Reds. Um, I hope it's not because of injury. I hope it's because he's just been so good. But, uh, you know, uh, I could see him making a real run to uh, to join the Reds this year and never leave the Major League roster again. What do you think about that, Doug? I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. I, I think that it's probably a stretch to say he makes the team out of spring training just because, I, I mean, again, if they're going to go out and not sign somebody, I, I just think that Antone, Lorenzen, Malley, they're going to they're gonna get those two of those three spots in the rotation. And I, I just don't think that the Reds would push Nick Lodolo, who's a starting pitcher, into the bullpen. Uh, I think that they, they want him to be a starter in the future, uh, and so they would kind of keep him back wherever that happens to be, double-A, triple-A, uh, whatever, um, but I'd be I'd be surprised if he doesn't debut at some point in 2021, uh, and 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 make some sort of impact. I I don't think that he's going to come up and be somebody who's kind of, they kind of yo-yo back and forth. Um, I I think that when he comes up, he's going to be up because they're confident that he's ready and he's going to get it done in in whatever role that happens to be. Yeah, I think all that's fair, uh, but uh, I think that well, there's a big unknown out there which is what did Lodolo do at Prasco Park? You know, we really don't know how he looked out there. And he might have looked like he's ready. And with the state of the Reds' uh, rotation this year, maybe they just didn't want to push him, go ahead and push him in. Because um, the Reds, let's be honest, had pretty good pitching in 2020. Well, and so I can, see, yeah, I can see them not starting the clock on him or whatever. But um, so it, there's, a, there's a scenario whether he performed so well at Prasco Park 
that uh, he's in their he's in their mind, and you know, for that number five spot, I guess. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about T.J. Antone or Michael Lorenzen that he's fighting with, you know, I mean, Lorenzen is Lorenzen. We know what he is, kinda. Um, we, you know, the Reds know about him, and he is what he is. Whatever. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, Antone, you know, Antone is the guy that took a big leap in one year, essentially. And I think Antone's got a future. You know, I do. I absolutely think that. I'm glad he's a Red. Uh, he may be uh, Kyle Bode, uh, a Kyle Bode guy. You know, we're going to start looking at the string of guys that uh, Kyle Bode, the Reds pitching coordinator, kind of brought along. But uh, maybe Lodolo, you know, I don't, there's just a lot of unknowns there. But I'm with you. I think he does make his debut at some point for the Reds. I'd agree that it's probably a stretch that it happens right out of the gates. But I, I'm not completely discounting it. I think he's going to be in the, I mean, he's in the Reds' plans going forward. And, uh, of course, I guess the flip side of that argument is maybe he was really bad at the catch-up factory, and maybe not. So we just don't know. So many unknowns because we didn't see him play this year. I'll, I'll just say this. I only could hear things from the Reds people because nobody else is allowed to be at Prasco Park. But I, I heard good things about Lodolo this year. Uh, the, the strides that he made with his stuff, um, I nobody had mentioned that he had been struggling or – uh, you know, he'd, he'd had a, a, a run of, you know, bad quote-unquote outings or whatever they want to call what they were doing out there. Um, and and I, I did hear about a few guys that were struggling at times out there, and Lodola was not someone that was ever brought up in any of those conversations. Um, and then here's another thing, Chad. You know, we you mentioned, you know, TJ Antone and Michael Lorenzen. I mean, it could just be that the Reds have decided that those guys are going to be more valuable given what they do uh, as multi-inning relievers yeah you can use two or three times a week and so you know, maybe that opens up a spot that you know i wasn't thinking about when i said you know those guys could be the four or five options for the reds and then you know Lodolo's there as the number five guy right out of the gate because they feel that you know getting 10 innings a week between anton and Lorenzen over you know four or five outings just makes more sense yeah you know i've, all, I've thought here for the last couple of years that it it seems to me like a guy that can eat up some real innings in the fifth, sixth, seventh innings, you know, pitch multiple innings, is going to become more valuable with starters going uh, fewer innings. If you got a guy that is maybe not quite your shutdown guy for late in the game, but you can count him to be relatively shut down for three innings, you know, in the middle in the middle of the game, that could, there's there's real value there. But let me let me uh let me present a scenario to you here, Doug. We didn't see what happened at Prasco. What about we we come out next year and the first I'm, I'm presuming good things, and we're going to have a 162-game season because I'm trying to be optimistic. Um, the Reds get around the, the, around the rotation when they first need a number five starter. And the Reds announce that number five starter is Hunter Green. How uh, how excited are we over you know if that happens? I mean, if that happens, we should all be really excited because that means the Reds are over the moon about what they've seen. Yeah. And yeah. if they're gonna if they're gonna be over the moon, knowing what we already know about Hunter Green, that's really saying something. Right. If they think he's ready, given his talent, um, he's another guy that I think makes his debut in twenty twenty one, one way or the other. Um, I thought there was a chance he'd make it this year, even with the uh, you know the injury and coming back. I just thought down the stretch maybe a guy that could throw like that they might pull a, a Chapman and put him in the put him in the bullpen for the stretch run. But uh, I think we'll see him. You think we'll see him in twenty twenty one? On the big league level, I think so. Yeah, I, I, think so. I, I think that you know he's, you know they they had him at Prasco for a reason. Um, they yeah. they were confident that he could 
um, learn and compete in, in that scenario. Um, and I, I just think that with the stuff he's got, I mean, why not? I, I think that he'll probably be at the double A level next year. And, uh, you know, we've seen it in the past. Once you're succeeding in double A, you know, you're, you're in the majors pretty quick if yeah. you've got the right stuff. And it's a short step. Yeah. He, he's got it. Yeah, he does. So I agree. I agree. That's uh, presuming a, a, a normal season. I agree. He's probably in double A and, um, they know they've gained so much information about him from watching him. That's the only benefit, if you can call it a benefit of the, the practical park experience is that some of these guys have had a chance to work with, you know, um, the big league staff, some, but also, you know, just, uh, it's a, it's a more controlled environment where they can really work on uh, getting to know the player and working on what they need to work on. And, uh, obviously planning games is of immense importance, but I think there's going to be some benefit from that. And they have information now about Hunter Green that nobody else has around the league. So, all right, Doug, we talked about pitching this whole episode, man. What's that all about? Uh, we just like pitching here in Cincinnati now that we finally have had a taste of good pitching. Yeah, what's that all about? Reds having good pitching? And uh, let's say kudos. Bob Castellini said a couple years ago, we're going to get the pitching. Kudos to Dick Williams, to Nick Crawl, to the Reds for going out. And they did get the pitching. Now, maybe get a little more hitting? Is that too much to ask? I mean, no, it's not. It's not too much to ask. So let's let's make that the slogan this offseason. Let's do it. This has been episode number 352 of Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast. Uh, I'm Chad Dotson. You can follow me on Twitter at DotsonC if you want. I don't encourage it because, really, I don't encourage me. Uh, he's at DougDirt24, Doug Gray. Um, you can follow what uh, Doug's writing every single day at uh, RedLegNation.com. Been writing about the Reds at RedLegNation.com since 2005. And also, RedsMinorLeagues.com. Um, been around forever, those two sites, and uh, Doug's done a great job with those. So certainly go and, and check those out every day. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you find podcasts. We're there. Just search for us. And uh, you can also find us uh, every week, uh, every Friday morning at RedLegNation.com. Any final thoughts for us, Doug? Get the hitting. Get the hitting. Hash Brown, get the hitting. For Doug Gray. Danny Jackson and Jose Guillen. This is Chad Dawson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.